What are we doing today? Browns? I think we were going to talk a little bit about the Browns. We were going to talk a little bit about the Ohio State-Alabama National Championship game. Uh, And then, I don't know. I mean... You want to talk about spring training? We were talking about spring training, the NBA kind of re-lockdown. I know you... um, put a column or a tweet about that in our slack we were talking about um i think that's it i mean i don't think i don't think rehashing you know doing a doing a a game recap for the browns or the the college football national championship game is is really gonna mean a whole lot um we could talk a little bit about the next browns game and why the ratings for the Buckeyes Alabama game were so terrible. And then that I think the NBA lockdown is um not as bad a thing as some other people probably think it is and like that me? baseball's yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think it's that bad. Yeah, I'm Why do you think it's bad? Well, are we are we podcasting? Are we are Yeah, we are we, pre- aren't we always podcasting? Yeah, that's true. Um here's the thing. I don't I understand why they're doing what they're trying to do. I I Mm-hmm. I understand that. I understand they don't want to bubble for a myriad of reasons. I think that there's solutions that they could do that give players both freedom and a semi bubble. You know, if you if you played, you know, six or seven teams in a in a bubble for a week and then gave them a week off and then, mm-hmm. you know, or 10 days or whatever that, you know, period is. I think that that's better. And I think that, that I guess my issue is that these guys play every day, right? And I don't know what their testing frequency is. But if you're getting yeah. tested every day, mm-hmm. then I don't understand why you need to lock everybody down. So I, I guess my opinion, opinion about this kind of hinges on two things. The first one is, um, or at least an, an underlying theme of everything that I kind of ever talk about in sports, uh, at least insofar as, you know, rules for players, collective, collectively bargained agreements, um, you know, teams, owners, all that kind of crap is. But player empowerment, I believe, is a good thing. And, you know, players having that sort of uh, ability to use their leverage is important and necessary. Um, but also, you know, on, on the other side of it, the NBA players association agreed to this, first of all. So the, these, this is something that was collectively agreed to as per their union. And, you know, secondly, we have you and I specifically to kind of get rid of the generalities of, uh, you know, conversation. You and I have talked a lot about sports, uh, the risks that sports leagues took, the fact that some of them should not have played. Uh, some of them should have played much differently. Uh, and, and we both, I think, were surprised and pleased with the NBA's bubble and the efficacy of the bubble, you know, no positive tests. They went through their whole season. Everything was, you know, as as good as it could have been. I guess I don't want to I don't want to use a 
a superlative because we were still, you know, we're living through a pandemic. It was super shitty. It's shitty that they had to be a bubble, but there was a bubble and that worked out well. Um, so now we get into 2021. It's the next season. They're trying it without the bubble. They're, you know, doing a bunch of stuff and they're having some issues. And I think the NBA uh, has shown itself to be the most proactive league. Um, they've shown itself to be the, the league that takes everything the most seriously. And they got together, the league brass and the NBA Players Association, and said, yo, we got to back up. We got to do th- some things differently. We don't want it to be a bubble again. But look, this is the first step. If there's going to be a this is a step towards a bubble. And if we can't get these issues handled by changing our policy again, uh, then we're back to the bubble or, or it's over, you know? And I I think it comes down to if you're an NBA player and you don't want to deal with it, that's fine. That's okay. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you know, you get expelled from the league or you get your contract dropped or, you know, you, you don't get whatever it is. I, I, you know, I'm, I don't think that these players should face like vast, gigantic amounts of punishment and criticism, but if you don't want to deal with the protocols that are collectively bargained and, you know, the new policies they're going to put in place to keep the league and the season viable, then you're out and that's fine. I mean, that should happen. People opted out of the bubble. But I think I think part of the the big pushback from some players and from a lot of fans loses sight of the fact that these new policies are there to make sure that this season happens. And quite frankly, you know, I think a lot of I listened to a lot of shows and podcasts and read a lot of things last year about revenues and you know, how the, the, the revenue shortfall impacted teams and how it could impact the salary cap and how it could change the credit rating of the league and, you know, all that garbage. Hey, look, man, if, if you can't have a season this season and things get called off or things get really bad because of the virus and you have not uh, enacted these different and stricter policies, then you might be putting teams and the league in jeopardy. And why would you do that just because you don't want to follow stricter lockdown procedures? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I just, I'm, and I'm not trying to get, you know, all political here and I'm not going to say, oh my God, they're taking away our, our guns as the people say, but it just, it just seems, um, I don't know what the, the word I'm trying to, to use here is, but it just seems like a lot of force unnecessarily you know what i mean like if you want to test the people that live in my house fine if you want to test me every day or every other day or whatever fine but to say that i can't leave my house or i can't have you know other players over or you know family or whatever over just it's tough you know, it's it's tough for me to accept. And I get, you know, most of these players are making multi, multi-million dollars. And, you know, everybody says I would do it if I were making that much. But I, I, I think it's different when, you know, you hear about it happening to someone else. And then when somebody says it to you, that you have to do it. And I understand that this was collectively bargained by 
you know, the league and the players association, but I don't know how many of the players necessarily agree with it, you know, and I don't know what the process is for collectively bargaining. You know, I don't know if they were able to vote on all these changes or if they were just said, okay, we agreed to these changes. Here they are, you know, and I think that that's, I don't know if that's part of the issue, but I'm, but I'm interested in that information, you know, and this isn't necessarily about Kyrie because I think that I, I know that's, he's sort of the biggest one right now that everybody's looking at, which I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with what he did. I mean, it sounds like, you know, he's been tested many times and they all come back negative. Harden, on the other hand, his situation is a lot more reckless to me. I mean, you're out in the general public doing whatever you do, but not taking any, you know, or not having any regard for anybody else. And I think that that's more dangerous. And I guess maybe they're probably the same if we look at them, you know, objectively. But it just feels different when you're saying, okay, yeah, now you can't even go to your sister's birthday party. Yeah. So let me circle back to the one of the first points you made. And you did mention that, you know, a lot of people say that, oh, you know, these guys make millions and millions of dollars and I would do it if I were in that position. I, I want to make sure that I'm clear. And and I know you know this, but anyone listening, I think that's a bad argument. I I understand athletes and entertainers and whomever make tons and tons of money and it's easy for me to sit here in my basement quite literally right now in the basement of my house sitting at a laptop talking into a microphone saying well golly gee whiz if I made 20 million dollars a year I sure would lock down too that's stupid because I don't understand or live through the the trials and hardships and issues and and shit that NBA players do or anyone else any other athlete or entertainer or whatever. So I'm not trying to make that argument. I'm not trying to say, oh, you make a lot of money. You should just do it. Um, I don't, I, I think that's a bad argument 100% of the time. So that, that really isn't the point of this. It's the pandemic specifically has caused all of us to have to do a lot of things differently than we wanted to do. Uh, I have to do things differently than I want to do within the scope and sphere and, you know, relative influence of my life. I work from home differently than I did before. Sometimes I work from work. So, you know, sometimes I'm commuting, sometimes I'm not. The different people are in different offices and it's more difficult sometimes to get a hold of everybody and, you know, try as you might, you would think it's a year into this and we'd be way, way, way better at it. And, you know, we made a lot of progress, but we're not there. And still, sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Um, it's not ideal for me. I could totally see how someone who makes less money than I do could look at me. And if my salary were public, could look at that and say, you know what? Quit your bitching. Stop crying. Look at all that money. Look at the money you make. I almost I almost said something like I had a lot of money. I don't. Uh, you know, look at the money you make and blah, blah, blah. And nobody wants to hear it. And you'll be fine and work from home sometimes, you know, cry me a river. Um, and maybe they're right. But from my point of view, this is what I'm living. And I had to do a lot of different. I had to, I've had to change a lot of things. NBA players have had to change a lot of things. They played last season, the end of last season, most of last season in the playoffs in a bubble. That was hard. A lot of them didn't like it. I get it. I'm sorry. You know, that's what your league and that's what you had to do to have a viable season 
and keep the health of your league up to a standard where it needed to be so you could continue not just your way of life, but your entire peer group's way, way of life. All of the players, all of the teams. That's that's the union. That's collectively, you're doing that for everyone. And now it's 2021. And we started the league, the season a certain way. And it looks like we're going to have to change again. And that's just what you're going to have to do. Like, you're going to have to change some of these things. And, and, and whether or not Harden and Kyrie are different, you know, Harden takes a lot of shit um, because he kind of seems like an asshole, to be honest. Like, he, he seems real entitled. You know, he's pretty much giving up on the Rocket season now. His comments the other day on the press conference were were pretty divisive. He talked about how, you know, this situation just can't be fixed and, the, the you know, the team is just going downhill and John Wall got mad about it. So, you know, John Wall said some stuff about how Harden isn't buying in and he's not a good teammate. And, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of turmoil around James Harden. Maybe he deserves it all. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I've never worked with the guy. It's the same with Kyrie. There's a lot of turmoil turmoil about Kyrie you know he signed that gigantic you know 40 million dollar a year contract or whatever it is I I don't have all the specifics right in front of me he's he's played for 26 games since he signed that contract I mean that is just astronomical I, I cannot believe even as weird as Kyrie has been sometimes how little the Nets have gotten for that deal um so he's going to take a lot of flack. Do I think that James Harden should have been out in Vegas at strip clubs or or parties with however that worked? No. Do I think that Kyrie Irving should have been out in public at a birthday party for his sister? No. I mean, I don't. Um, I'm not out in public at a birthday party for my whomever, right? I, I don't think so when you have when you have more responsibility than yourself right so Kyrie Irving isn't only responsible for himself you know he's responsible partly for the health and safety of every one of his teammates he is that whole team is they're all responsible for each other's health and safety in this environment in the pandemic environment, they're all responsible for each other's health and safety. That extends from Kyrie to the Nets, from the Nets to every other team in the league, every team they play. Every time the Nets walk on the floor against another team, every single one of those players on the floor, on the bench, coaches, strengths, referees, the whole deal, every single person is partly responsible for the health and safety of every single other person in that arena. Maybe that wasn't true two years ago. Maybe it was and we just didn't know it. Maybe it won't be true once everyone's vaccinated and we're not living through a pandemic. Maybe. But for right now, that's the deal. And because some people, some players, maybe some referees, maybe some cameramen, maybe some executives. I mean, right now the spotlight is on Kyrie Irving, but the spotlight could shift to anyone else. Because some people have either been really safe and really unlucky or not that safe. Um, we have to institute different policies. And, and that that's just what it is. I mean, you can't run away from that responsibility. If you're going to be a member of the league 
and you're going to play in these games and you're going to take that privilege, then you have to take that responsibility. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think Kyrie should have been out at that birthday party. And I think partly because of those actions and partly because of like-minded actions from other players that aren't getting the spotlight, changes are happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I mean, I I agree with you in principle. It's just, you know, the points that I brought up before, I just it's it's just it's difficult for me. And and by the way, I'm only responsible for me. So your argument about, you know, being responsible for your other teammates and, you know, the other people you have to deal with, I don't have to deal with that. So maybe that's why I am more on the side of, okay, you know, I'm having a, a birthday party with, you know, I'm at my sister's birthday party, whoever's birthday party, and I get tested every day and it is what it is and I'm okay with it. So you're right. I mean, I, I agree with you. If, you know, if you have other responsibility, you know, when the protocols aren't there for everybody, or there's a lot of people who aren't, following the protocols that we don't hear about, then yes, I am okay with some sort of a lockdown. I just I just think that going it feels like they're going from everything's fine to oh crap, shut everything down. Like there like there's no in between. And I understand that this is an in between step. I just don't really like it. Yeah. Well I mean and I, I guess that's the that's the main thing to understand is it is an in between step. Like this isn't you know, shutting everything down is actually shutting it down. And that is, I'm sure, on the table. I mean, it's way at the other end of the table where nobody wants to get to, but that's on the table. You know, this is this is a light in between step. I mean, you, you could see a bubble instituted again. It, it wouldn't be, I don't know exactly how that would work, um, but I, you could see that happen again. Or, or a few different bubbles or something like this is this is a, a quick, easy to accomplish, relatively low effort, middle of the road step. And I hope it's the only one they have to take. And, you know, my hope is that a lot of the players who've been complaining about it uh, can realize that it's it's a pretty low effort in between step and if everyone does what they're supposed to do, hopefully it works. That's the bummer about the whole thing is everybody could do what they're supposed to do and do it correctly. And it still doesn't all work. Like that's, the, that's the super bummer. Right. Yeah, you're right. Like I said, I, I mean, I agree with you. It's just, it just seems like a lot. And, and I'm sure that, you know, they talked about this, but I wish that they could have come up with a way to do, you know, six teams in one place you play for, you know, eight or nine days, everybody plays each other. And then, you know, you kind of get a little freedom for 10 days. Like I, I, again, I'm sure they thought about this process, this, all of that, you know, like a, like a, like a semi bubble or whatever they would call it. Um, you know, that seems to be a better balance. And, and my guess is a player said, no, we don't want to live in a hotel for 10 days. But like you said, now they're living at home for 10 days, which I guess is great. Unless you're, you know, Toronto who lives in Tampa now or wherever they're playing. Oh, yeah, um, that sucks. That does suck. Yeah, I mean, you're playing a whole year. You're not not even at home. You can't even see any of your family. That's, yeah. I mean, I guess that's the ultimate extreme. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I, again, I just, I think that the league and the players could have handled this better before the season started, planning for this year, knowing that things were going to get worse in the winter. Mm-hmm. And I think that they failed in that aspect. And I, I guess maybe I just don't like the the optics of this look. But you're right. I mean, if the if the goal is to get the season finished sort of on time, 
you know, and sort of so that everybody, not just the players and not just the owners, but, you know, the water boy or the trainer or the referee or whoever, you know, who has to, you know, work these games or have a season to actually live, um, then, yeah, I guess this is this is a step. And that's that's fine. But I don't I really don't want to see what the next step would be. Well, I think they probably started the season the way they did, um, mostly to placate players and you know league executives i don't want to put this all just on players they mostly to placate people within the league who didn't want to deal with who feel like you do and and didn't want to deal with a whole bunch of um hard to comply with policies and mandates to start the season so so like now that we see what the nba did to start and then we what we see what they're pivoting to you know 10 games in um, we get news that Rob Manfred hands down Major League Baseball sent a letter to all their teams that were starting spring training on time and everything's a go. I, I mean, do you think that's going to work? No. I mean, I'm, I, I think basketball, the NBA and the NFL, I think, are more revenue loss resilient or risk averse, I guess, if we're talking about the stock market, than baseball is. And I feel like a lot of baseball's revenue, and I don't know what the number is, you know, I don't know if it's 30% or 40% comes from having fans in the stadiums, you know, buying merchandise, buying bad hot dogs, paying for expensive parking. And so, sure, we can go through spring training, and my guess is they probably won't have that many fans there. I, I, I don't know. But... I don't know how they're going to do, you know, opening day without fans. I mean, I guess they could just do it and say it is what it is and we'll we'll try again in May and we'll try here and we try there. And, you know, we, you and I always have the argument about, you know, how much money do the owners actually have versus what they're telling us. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure how they do it. Yeah, I mean, and I think you're right about that baseball teams rely more on, you know, game day revenue than basketball and and football teams, um, mostly because, I mean, are, are there any big-time baseball TV contracts? I mean, you know, the NFL and the NBA run. They live off those TV contracts, and it just doesn't feel like baseball does the same thing. I don't think spring training is, is the spring, like starting spring training is fine, and that's probably the safest any of those uh, Major League Baseball teams are ever going to be. You, you know what I mean? Like, right. You don't have, you're not traveling as much, you, you know, there's a few geographical regions where all the teams are, um, you're not playing every other team. It's, it's kind of a more compact, you know, tiny schedule based on which, you know, little league hot stove facility you're at, which ones are closest to it. Um, so like, I don't think spring training is going to be that much of an issue as long as you know they're you're following safety protocols and you're doing all the CDC guidelines and distant you know all that stuff. So as long as the teams are still doing that that they're supposed to be doing, I don't think you're going to have a big issue at spring training. What what I fear, um, and I don't know if fear is the right word, but like what I hope doesn't happen is that the MLB after a few weeks or a, you know of spring training and they say, Hey, look, our transmission rate is way low at spring training. We haven't had any positive tests or we just had a couple or whatever. And you know, he got it from a club, not a, not the clubhouse. Um, 
you know, fantastic. We can have our season because we know what we're doing. And then you start traveling all over the country and then shit hits the fan. And can you pivot the way the NBA is pivoting? Like, can you, as Major League Baseball, do you have the ability to make a quick, early, in-season change to mitigate things? I don't think Major League Baseball is capable of that. First, from their leadership. And, and secondly, I don't think they're... Um, players union um, would be as agreeable probably as uh, the NBA's players union to making a quick pivot like that. And I, I think that, boy, I hope I'm wrong, you know, but it feels like that could be pretty bad. So do you think they start the season with fans, spectators in the stands, I guess? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the states and areas and whatever that are allowing fans, right? So like the Cleveland Indians um, or the, well, they're the Indians for this year. So the, the Cleveland Indians, you know, would start the season with 2,000 fans in attendance, which... You don't think, that, you don't think is, they get 12,000 like the Browns? Oh, okay. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't know if they could get twelve thousand, but okay, uh, they'll get twelve thousand for opening day. I mean, they'll get twelve thousand for opening. Day. Look, twelve thousand people would show up to go to opening day. No one saw baseball at all last year in person. Yeah, I mean, and it didn't really affect anyone that much. No, but people love opening day. Like you're gonna go. I mean, if they say, "Hey, we have twelve thousand seats available for season ticket holders and general public," twelve thousand people will go to that game. 12 seems like a lot, but okay. I know they gave the Cavs, um, I think, 2,000, but that's indoors. So maybe, okay, so maybe 12. So 8,000. I mean, whatever. Okay. I, I think sure. whatever the number is, I think the Indians, opening day I'm talking about, would have no problem selling out 8,000 seats. Okay. So so maybe 8,000 out of, out, you know, what's the new capacity over at Progressive Field? Know. 25, yeah, it's the, I don't know. 10, who knows? I, I think. <laughs> Changes every week. It, it does, it does. <laughs> um but I don't, you know, and, and maybe, you know, Florida teams have more, Texas teams have more, like, you know, whatever the guidelines will be. Right. So, but yes, Texas I think will be they'll 100%. have fans in, yeah, I think they'll have fans in the stands for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't think they should. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is the issue, right? I mean, do you allow the spectators? And I think for a sport like baseball like i was saying before i you know encounter the fedex guy um is that you you know you need that money somehow but i you know the nfl doesn't but i'm sort of surprised that they push their teams to get as many fans as possible you know i'm surprised the browns wanted twelve thousand people you know i get it they're you know they're sitting in various parts of the you know in the stadium so it doesn't really matter that much but like in basketball, college basketball, like in the Big Ten, no fans. You know, the first six weeks, and then they did friends and family only and upstairs, and everybody spread out. You know, so I wonder if they do something similar in baseball. You know, I wonder if they tell these guys, okay, you have to, you know, for the series and the, you know, a day before, you have to basically stay in a hotel, you know, just so we can test you, so we can keep track of you. I wonder what protocols they put in place for baseball because baseball like basketball i mean they essentially play every day so what do you do and to your point about being able to pivot you know will the will the players be amenable to 
staying in a hotel for 10 days or 12 days or, you know, I mean, I know they're in a hotel almost every day anyway, but do they need to go home at some point? You know I mean? I, I wonder what they do with these protocols. Yeah. I mean, I don't know either. And and that's the thing that worries me about major league baseball is, is that, um, it feels like, you know, without, without being in the boardroom and being in where they're making up these rules and policies, it feels like major league baseball is worse at those than, than basketball say, uh, you know, football has been able to brute force its way through, but they only play once a week. So, you know, those protocols are a little different you outlined the differences just now. So, I mean, that's, um, I, I, I don't know. And, and frankly, I'm not interested in trying to parse out why the NBA seems to be better at this than the MLB. There could be a million different reasons. I don't know. Um, and maybe it's not even just the NBA, like it's basketball in general. NCAA basketball is no fans. And like you said, you know, tiny amounts of fans and following a bunch of protocols. So I don't know what the difference is between the sports. I just tell you, you know, today, January 13th, I have a whole hell of a lot less faith in major league baseball to figure this out and be able to get through it and be able to make a pivot if they have to. Um, than I do any other sport, honestly. How much of the Browns game did you watch? All of it. How many beers did you have? Two. That's it? Yeah. I only had two. I, I'm, you know, trying to uh I'm trying to game my laziness. So <laughs> if I don't have a lot of beers, I won't drink a lot of beers. Like today, right okay. now, if I hang up if I hang up the phone for you and, and go buy a twelve pack, I will drink the twelve pack. If I don't have any I won't drink any. Okay. It's that easy. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I can I can get behind that. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. That was the, the craziest NFL game I've seen in a really long time. I mean, it, obviously, you know, I think – I mean, I came in expecting that Pittsburgh, after losing last week but not playing all of their players, would show up and be a dominating force. And then, of course, you know, the first or second play from scrimmage, the ball goes sailing over Ben Roethlisberger's head, and neither one of them wants mm-hmm. to fall on the ball. You know, because they're worried about two points and a safety, that was and they the end up giving thing. up seven. Like, just fall yeah. on the ball or kick it out of the end zone. Like, it's two points. Who cares? And then it's all downhill from there. That was the least Brownsiest start to a game for the Browns yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Like, while that was happening, the ball was rolling towards the end zone on the first play. No one had even touched it yet. And in my mind, all I could think of was, Wow, this usually happens to the Browns. Yeah, I, I I have to tell you, I was fully prepared for Roethlisberger to pick up the ball and find somebody fifty yards down the field <laughs> and throw the ball. I'm not going to lie to you. I was at a friend's house and oh, I was watching. I said, "This is it. This is where it all goes downhill." And then the Browns got a touchdown. Like I was completely shocked. And then there was an interception. And then there was another interception. And then there was another interception. And then there was a fumble or whatever. And they scored touchdowns, and it was twenty-eight zero in the at the end of the first quarter. Like I was, I shock. have, I mean, shock, shock and awe. It's yep. the only thing that I can describe about my feelings on Sunday. Yeah, do the same here. Like I don't, it was, I don't know if I have a whole lot else to add. Like I, I thought the way the Browns dealt with the uh, people out on the COVID list and the depth at offensive line and uh, having Eric Prefer be the head coach and Van Pelt call the play. I mean, I just, just 
culturally, that organization is so different than any iteration of the Cleveland Browns that I have ever lived through. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're the same age essentially. And Mm -hmm. I mean, when's the last time they won a playoff game that they said? I I was like 94 or something, but I mean, and and their last road playoff game was 60 something. Is that what I heard? 69, 69. Like, isn't Mm -hmm. that, I mean, first of all, I didn't even know that that's absolutely insane to me that it happened that long considering how good they were, you know, in the eighties, you know, to not, but I guess that they were so good. They always played at home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't just, you know, Jimmy Haslam is still the owner and he takes a lot of shit and probably rightfully so, but I, I mean, I don't, do you, you, you pin it all on the head coach? Do you pin it all on Barry and Stefanski and that the front office they put together and the head coach that they brought in and the staff that he filled out just top to bottom to be able to deal with that kind of you know those kind of personnel issues um and deal with it well and with little notice and still produce that kind of result is is just how like i said it's just different like it's just not anything i've lived through with the browns yeah i don't i don't know as i say i don't know nothing about nothing but i can i mean i i mean it combination of haslam Hiring Barry and telling Barry, you do whatever you need, and I'm going to stay over here and not touch anything. And then Barry being able to go out and get Stefanski and him saying to Stefanski, you manage the team, I'll manage the you know the shuffling of players in and out or whatever they call it. Transactions, I guess, is probably the word. Um, and everybody is in their silo, and somebody else takes care of the business side, and everybody, guess what, doing their job is probably the best thing that's happened to this franchise in 100 years. You know, and I don't know if if there's a owner of the year or executive of the year or coach of the year awards in the NFL. I have no idea how that works. But if those three aren't up for those three respective awards, then I don't know who would be better. You know, and considering where the Browns were last year, I mean, not even when they went 0-16. Was that last year they went 0-16 or was that the year before? I can't remember. (laughs) I honestly, I don't remember. I mean, it could have been. Yeah. Um, Considering where they are to – or where they were to going and winning a road football game against a team that they have not beaten in their home stadium since 2004, they said, yeah. or whatever it was, that's unreal. That's unheard of. That's crazy, you know. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do the because we talked about this, you know, last time. If you know they played, you know, eight out of ten times, how many times did they beat them? It doesn't matter. It's the playoffs. It is what it is. So, yep. With that said, tell me about the Chiefs game. What do you think? Hey, look, the the Chiefs aren't as unbeatable as everyone thinks they are. I mean, the Chiefs have won a handful of games by one score this season. Things have been close. Things have been dicey. Uh, The Browns announced today that we got uh, Denzel Ward back. Um, You know, so that's good news, obviously. Uh, Denzel Ward isn't, you know, the most physical cornerback, but he's definitely our CB1. We also activated um, Kevin Johnson. Uh, who's another cornerback, so our secondary will have some help. Um, I just saw that oh, the offensive line coach, Bill Callahan, was back in the team 
facility today, and Kevin Safansky said himself that he's probable to return. He should he could be uh, back in the facility as early as tomorrow. So yeah, that's not everybody. We'll still have some injuries. We'll still have some issues. Things still won't be perfect, but the Browns have um, some players coming back. We've got our coaching staff should be at full strength. Um, And honestly, I think the Browns can score with the Kansas City Chiefs in game. The Browns don't have the weapons the Chiefs do, but I think if the Browns can use their running game and short passing game to keep the Chiefs off the field, they can keep it close. It can be a one-score game. I think there's an opportunity for the Cleveland Browns to win. What makes me hesitant to actually just come out and say, you know, the that to pick them is if the Browns make a mistake or two, the Chiefs are a lot more capable of turning on that mistake and turning it into points faster than what the Browns are capable of doing. Uh, so that 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 scares me. You know, if the Browns don't make any mistakes on offense, I think that they can be right in this game in the high 20s. It'll be, you know, a one-score game, 28 to 32 or something like that. And I think the Browns have an opportunity to win a game like that. You know, what's scary is if Baker throws an interception at the end of a long drive in the red zone or, you know, Nick Chubb fumbles or something happens at the end of a long drive in the red zone that the the Chiefs always are a a Tyreek Hill getting the edge away from, you know, putting seven points on the board in 14 seconds. And I think that's I think that's probably going to happen. So if if I had to pick right now, I would say you know the Chiefs are going to win, um, and the Chiefs will win a one score game. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to watch it. I don't think it's a done deal. I you know I don't think it's over. Um, you know we're not going to probably at this point we've been talking long enough. Probably not going to talk about the Ohio State Alabama game. But I didn't Roll think time. Ohio. Hey, congratulations. I didn't think Ohio State was going to win that game. I didn't think they had a chance. I don't think that about this Browns game. I think the Browns have a shot. I think the Browns could be going to the AFC title game, and I am psyched to watch it. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I'm not a Browns fan, but I'm very interested in this game. I was very surprised last Sunday, and honestly, I hope to be surprised again this week. Uh, I'm glad this is the afternoon game so that for the people who go out and like to watch communally um, and for the bars and restaurants who have a chance to stay open for this game. So I hope the Browns do well for all the players involved, you know, uh, the fans, the bars and restaurants, the team, honestly, the league. I mean, um, I think obviously they'd rather be playing Buffalo, but, you know, they recede after every round, which we should talk about them receding out there every round because I like it and there's a lot of people who don't like it I like um, it yeah I, I I actually really like it I wish uh baseball did this I I think the NBA used to do this I don't know if they do it anymore um but they should if they don't um it's a playoff not a bracket so I mean you put the best teams against the worst teams every round I think um is there anything else you want to talk about or you got to go it's a time. uh I mean, it's time. Okay. I, I don't. I don't know how off how much you think people should spend listening to us, but 